Hi, and welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast. Giving space to the often unheard questions, doubts, hopes, and challenges facing the church in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Stephen. And I'm Kathy, and we invite you to join us as we imagine the changes ahead. What struck me about the conversation with Brooke is that it took a crisis of faith to actually expand this faith. And I just find that really fascinating and actually encouraging. And you talked about the expansion there. He uses this amazing image. I'm not going to spoil it. But as he was describing going from one place to another, I almost felt what he was describing as he expanded the way he looked at things. So have a listen to the story of expansion. great to have you here today and uh, we are doing this interview face to face and just want to welcome you to the changes ahead podcast thanks it's cool to be here and we're really looking forward just to hearing the perspective that you bring and so maybe we'll just launch straight in and say tell us a little bit about who is brooke yeah so I'm Brooke Warner. I've been a Westy, uh, West Aucklander my entire life. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, good thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm now a father of three children who are almost seven, almost five, and almost three. Uh, so that's kept me very busy for the last seven years. Yeah. And uh, feels like a, 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 whirlwind. Win- a, yeah, a whirlwind in a window that kind of, well, like a... I don't know, like a journey that you jump into and then you're just starting to emerge now and going, oh, life's still here. So I have a background in science, um, but since finishing university, I've worked in the technology software space and I'm, I'm really interested in big problems that the world humanity is, is facing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to work for places and and use my skills to try and like make a difference for those kind of things wow so yeah i've done a few different things over over the last few years but and maybe you could fill us in a little bit about you know just growing up what your early childhood experiences were um... yeah yeah so born in a christian home and the oldest of four children and we our life was going to church it was a very like christian upbringing for the bulk of a lot of my childhood we were homeschooled as well and so we hung out with a lot of homeschooled christian families and i think socially politically theologically my parents were pretty middle of the road probably more on the slightly conservative side Mm -hmm. than than not standard kind of baptist uh, conservative and i inherited a lot of that so going from that context of growing up in in a church family and in that homeschooling uh, space uh, to then head into a a science degree that that must have been Mm. a bit of a journey and then kind of encountering some new ideas or or some ideas that perhaps pushed against some of the ways that you had been thinking can you tell us a little bit about yeah what led you there and um yeah what that was like yeah so in sixth form uh year 12 um i had a a really awesome teacher um, who went above and beyond the the science curriculum. And he, rather than just teaching us what was in the curriculum, he would go and get journal articles from like the latest stuff that had just been published and bring that to class and we'd talk about that. And so he was helping us see that there was more than just like some kind of very old 
dry material that you know had been around for 20 years and going this is fresh and mm. here's the the frontiers of science and that that really captivated me wow that was about the time as well when genetic engineering and all that kind of stuff was just becoming mm. a thing um, and i found that super super interesting and so the whole idea of biotechnology and and so yeah I jumped into the undergrad and what eventually turned into biomedical science and then after that did a master's as well mm. um, so yeah that's what led me there and what was it like so i had come from a background where we for, for like very good reasons um, my parents were like they were they were very what's the right word they were concerned i think that if you believed in evolution you could have your whole faith shipwrecked mm. and so uh, yeah. my dad got a subscription to the creation magazine um and it came to our house every month or whatever and i'd read that and i loved it right i mean it, it fit with my natural love of science and and it fit with you know not wanting to necessarily like rock the boat in my family too much and that kind of thing and be a good son um so uh it, it was fine I, I had no reason to question it it was also reinforced by a lot of stuff that we were taught at youth group various visiting speakers and that kind of thing who would poke holes in evolution so to speak and yeah build up even if it wasn't explicit build up this kind of implicit war between mm. faith and science mm. um, yes. and that the bible and science are incompatible or church and yes. science is incompatible and you know they might not have always been intentionally trying to do that but that was what you kind of a lot of people took away from it yeah so that was the i guess the background that i took going into <laughs> university and then of course you meet that full full fully head on and I had some lecturers who were very almost the opposite, like basically preaching evolution, probably more than I would say was warranted, but maybe they were trying to, maybe they're doing it for effect for like first years to kind of shock, shock you. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess they've got all these people coming from all sorts of schools and yeah. places mm. and they trying to set a tone or something, but yeah. And then that, I mean, in that context, there is no debate about evolution as a theory or a fact yes, or whether you yes. believe in it. Like that it's just taken as this is something that science has yeah. agreed and we move on. And we're now going to talk about the actual lesson, right? Mm. So if you want to go back to that, it's it's like a big kind of backwater and a, it's not something that is on the mainstream of discussion at, at university. And did that create conflict within yourself in that journey? Or how, how did how did you experience that? Yeah, there was a lot of cognitive dissonance, mm. uh, especially in that first year. Um, I remember going to some of those visiting speakers that I mentioned and yeah. seeing if they could help me, like, uh, relieve the cognitive dissonance. Mm. And, like, looking back now, I guess they must have because I I either just moved past it or just was like, well, we'll just agree to disagree because the bulk of the university lectures were not on that topic, right? Like, we're talking about stuff that was a, a lot more current and not millions of years ago. I guess another thing that that it and this is not necessarily cognitive dissonance but i remember like i did a paper on embryology which was really interesting and like that's a phenomenal topic just understanding how a, a human embryo forms mm. and i think i was constantly amazed throughout mm. my degree of like like this is amazing yes. stuff right yeah and what i d would do is be like and so you know therefore god is incredible yep. which is not necessarily wrong right but that mm. was kind of how i 
how you have to sit with it. How's that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's not something that you would put in an essay, but you know, it's <laughs> that's kind of how I interpreted a lot of what I was learning about. Mm. So yeah, the the cognitive dissonance was kind of there, but I I kind of moved past it mm. um, and just really focused on like the here and now, really, because it it kind of made no difference really to the science part of what I was learning. Mm. In terms of my faith. I think there was definitely some challenges there, but I don't know if I could fully articulate them all at the time. Mm. And it wasn't until a bit later that it started to kind of come out as I started to grapple with like a depth in the science world and at least what was to me a shallowness in my faith and Mm. in the church world that I was in. Mm. And that kind of disparity between the two was, that was when stuff started to, Cause me a lot of questions. Mm, mm. I'm really interested in, in the depth that you found in the scientific study. And you mentioned you you went on to do some postgrad study or masters in in that field. So could you tell us a little bit about your master's study? Yeah, yeah. So over the course of my undergrad, I was really interested in kind of actually what started the whole thing. What I mentioned at the start with my my sixth form teacher about genetic engineering and like solving big world problems. Uh, biotechnology. So I I followed a path that was around virology, immunology, and genetics. Mm. And that was based on this idea that you could use, and we, and we do this now, we I say that grandiosely, science does that now, uh, <laughs> where you can use viruses to edit the genome of a particular organism, right? And so that could be used for really good therapeutic things. So with that background, you know, with what we've been through in the last few years, I wonder how has that impacted you and your observation of uh, mm. what we've been through? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, a big topic, obviously. A very big topic. Um, it's made me realise uh, how, unfortunately, how illiterate most of what would appear to be the Western world is on just scientific thinking and i don't necessarily mean you need to know the ins and outs of viruses or how your immune system works but just the scientific method and just science in general Mm. and yeah i'm basing that on a lot of social media stuff but stuff i've seen just in the general media but also conversations that i've had with people where yeah they they just have no their their understanding is very thin and I'm like I was taught this at school and I don't think my school was that exceptional so I'm like is it just that people have forgotten or were they not Mm. taught it or like yeah I don't know but my I I mean I had a little soapbox for a while where I talk about science is not a religion science Mm. is not an institution it's literally like it's the empirical method right it's just a way of doing stuff and this is what all of our advances in the last let's say 200 years yeah. are based on right like we wouldn't be here without yes. this empirical method and yeah it can be co-opted of course it can humans yes. humans co-opt anything right but i think that people are conflating a lot of things when they when they get into some of these like either conspiracy theories or just this idea that science is corrupted and untrustworthy or you know has been undermined by capitalist interests Mm. like sure there are places where that's definitely happening but that Mm. doesn't mean that it's 
it's happening everywhere. Mm. Yeah. And I guess when there's a perspective in in church or in the Christian world where we have to read the Bible a particular way, and particularly when it comes to, I suppose, yeah, yeah the early chapters of Genesis, you know, that, that will feed into that within the the church or the religious space, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, and I'd almost say not just Genesis, but Revelation as well. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so this is, yeah, another, another thought I've had a, a little while ago was that I saw a post or an article, I guess you'd call it, a somewhere between the two, a, a, a piece of writing on the BBC uh, website uh, a couple of weeks ago where they were outlining this giant PR exercise that happened in like the, I think it was about the 70s or 80s from like the oil, automobile and mining industry kind mm. of coming together. And they basically realised that our industries are not doing the planet a good thing right now. And there's a whole lot of data starting to come out that we're actually affecting the climate and there's, you know, like there's some negative effects. And so they hired a PR firm, but led by this one guy who had basically had a track record of taking on causes and clients that needed to really publicly like change the image. So he'd done stuff with like pesticide use. He'd done stuff with, I forget what it was now, basically stuff that was causing giant pollution in the, in the world and, and managed to like sway public opinion that, you know, it wasn't actually that bad. And so they, they co-opted him and he mounted this giant campaign to basically get out the message that the science is not settled. Mm. Um, and like, that was huge. Like they were, you know, they were paying journalists to write articles and they were doing all sorts of stuff. Oh. And you see the effects of that today, right? Not yeah. just not just the fact that we've done hardly anything about climate change, but also that you see that we are like not we, we don't trust science, basically, mm. right? Like you, the the it's been undermined. Mm. And reading this post, you know, a lot of people saying that they they were campaigning on scientific issues and stuff, but it was they just keep getting met with this brick wall of like, oh, but your science is corrupt or your science isn't settled or whatever mm. so there was that and then to like kind of make a really good like left hook right hook the church has this theology that and this is what i was brought up with mm. that it's all going to burn anyway <laughs> so why does it matter right we're all going to get taken out of it so yep. we don't need to look after the earth yeah and so <laughs> you've got this like kind of terrible mix right of like society as a whole is kind of undermining science the church is undermining science for two reasons one because of evolution and two because of like the eschatology mm. that we don't really need to care about it and that that I means there's even more reasons right like we have dominion over the earth and that we're the pinnacle and um we should subject the earth and like a lot of this kind of language right that that i was brought up with mm. and so you, you end up in the situation where people's view of science is is fairly compromised i yes, guess sounds very suspicious yeah. yeah 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 that's and, a good word. and you used yeah. a great word earlier when you said we're at war you know the science and church is at war yeah yeah and i definitely felt that um in a lot in youth group and and like i mean there's still interactions i have today with particular people where that definitely is like that's the posture that they bring to that kind of thing is when mm. science is here to attack your faith mm. um, and it's wrong 
not like as a as a whole, but just that it, it's flawed or it's they've, they've got their they've got their wires crossed kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And how have you, I suppose, managed to sit with that and it not be a what? It's not that now, or doesn't, yeah. at least now it seems to, to not be something that you're sitting with going, oh, how do these be, be reconciled? Um, you seem to be sitting quite comfortably. How has that? Um... So I don't, I don't know how comfortably I'm sitting. I'm maybe more <laughs> comfortably. But, um, <laughs> because I think it's, I wouldn't call it a war, but I would say there's still, there's still elements that I don't fully have the answers to. Sure. But that's, also, I'm probably more comfortable with that now because I'm just older than I was. Right. <laughs> <Back> then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think what actually helped, and it might sound a little ironic, but what helped me come to grips, terms with that whole thing was having a crisis of faith mm. and going to Bible college. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah. ironically, I think I became more okay with, you know, accepting science and what it had discovered and specifically evolution i think that's one that for whatever reason has become a a big topic um, in christian circles i became more okay with just being like yeah at bible college than i was at secular university so that was a yeah a bit of a ironic kind of discovery for me but yeah so maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that what what in particular were were you learning that enabled you to sit a bit more comfortably? Yeah. So I went to Bible college because, well, like I went initially because my wife was going, I had nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> and it was a night class. So that's a good reason. Yeah. So I just yeah. went along and sat in and it was a bit of a gateway drug for me to realize that, like I mentioned before, like I was experiencing this like shallowness in my faith and specifically in the answers that I could get in the Christian circles that I was in. So mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, like youth group, um, youth group leaders, church leaders, even my, my parents and my family, you know, they, they did their best, but they didn't have anything more than I had. So mm-hmm. they couldn't really pass a lot on than they already had. And I was kind of, I, I had this, but I guess the word is crisis of faith, but just going, if this is all there is, then I'm just, I'm not into this, right? Yes. Like this, this feels as flimsy as something you tell a six-year-old, like yeah. it, there's got to be more to it than this. Otherwise, mm. this mm. is a giant joke, right? So that was like the, the phase I was in and I was going through some pretty big doubts and kind of hadn't really resolved them, but kind of ignored them and ended up along at Bible college with my wife. And I had a pretty bad preconceived idea of what Bible college was going to be. And so that just blew that completely out of the water and discovered like in those first, you know, two or three sessions of like, I was like, wow, I've, I've been swimming in a frying pan for like the last 18 years, you know, and now I've like finally discovered the ocean. Wow. Wow. So yeah, that was, that was huge. And like, I credit that to why I'd still call myself a Christian today. Mm. Um, Wow. Albeit come a long way since then as well but because i i discovered that depth and and by depth i don't just mean you know that there were answers that like lecturers who knew stuff that i could talk to but you know there's there's writings from thousands of years ago that i'd never heard about right like people mm-hmm. like athanasius and uh, there's others i can't remember right now but how did i not know about this and i, I discovered this whole world of like academia and 
depth of understanding of faith that was broad mm -hmm. and diverse and colorful and there were lots of perspectives and opinions and it wasn't just the one way that the pastor mm -hmm. said and it was like yeah it blew my mind so there was that and along with that and I think a huge part of what I found really helpful was what people were hermeneutics right but just like understanding that the bible is not just one book that was written in one way but it's like a collection of books written over thousands of years by hundreds maybe thousands of different people like all mm. of this stuff right that mm. you learn at, at bible college and i can't remember exactly but i do i think even one lecturer said and so therefore like what does that mean for the first seven chapters of genesis mm. that evolution at this point is it's not a question of how it's a question of who mm. which is a nice little pithy phrase but like it it worked for me because i was like oh well, man, i don't actually need to worry anymore right yes. like if i can be convinced or like convicted that god created the earth mm. kind of doesn't matter how he did it right mm. like to me at that point mm. i can see why it can matter to some people and then as i've gone along that journey i've been like evolution like that, that seems like an easy pairing to me right it still leaves a lot of questions there's still a bunch i don't fully understand but i think something that i've been reflecting on a bit recently as well is that probably a combination of like a scientific training where or like a an undergraduate at least scientific training combined with this kind of upbringing where the answers are all like it's all solved the answer oh, is god yes, kind yes. of thing and there are always answers yes. and lack of and uncertainty being not a good thing i actually had a lot of my sense of awe taken away um, right yeah. and as i've wrestled with yeah. like maybe god's not quite the god i thought he was or maybe what like yeah i think evolution is true what does this mean for like all these things that i've taken kind of for granted mm. uh, over my life and mm. and the sense of awe that you like mm. if you maybe another way to say it is if you decided just for a day to say no, god's not real how would you then approach a bunch of scientific things and there's a lot sometimes there's a lot more awe that you get through that because you're like how the heck did this happen yeah. you know like yeah and you think about astronomy or molecular mm. biology or all of these things and it's just it kind of blows your mind so sometimes i wonder if we actually cheat ourselves yes like oh god did it easy move on kind of thing and it's like wow you're, you're sapping that with like mm. the depth of complexity that's actually there so mm -hmm take away the, the curiosity because you just we've been just given the answers yes. yeah. and someone else has done all the work for us and you i think that's a great word that we've maybe cheated ourselves out of that curiosity and exploring yeah. so that yeah we we wrestle with it yeah mm. yeah so that was a bit of a realization for mm. me that and i was like man this is what all my colleagues have been like no wonder they're like having their minds blown and going on these lectures because it's like <laughs> how on earth did this happen and i'm just like oh god did it like, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah yeah wow and it sounds like you were able to bring a different set of questions to the text yeah and that's i guess what we were taught about right yeah. it was like what questions do you bring into the text and and what questions were the original like audience bringing yeah, or yeah. what was the original author trying to answer and was it whether like it was actually seven days and yeah. all that kind of stuff and then i guess things that added to that as well was doing more study in genesis and learning about there's all these other creation narratives and epics like gilgamesh and all this kind of stuff and just being like okay so this is probably a lot 
there's a lot more to this yes. that I've not been told or mm. taught and and how like it, yeah it shapes your think or changes your thinking on that topic right and what's that like when you go how come I haven't heard this before or how come <laughs> and you talked about swimming in that depth of ocean yeah what's that like yeah so I mean I I became an evangelist <laughs> to the church <laughs> for depth right ah, um, wow. and and I had a real passion for it. I don't know if I did it very well because I would also get frustrated. I'm like, why are we, why are we so fixated on like some little tiny frying pan over here when there's a whole ocean over there, guys? Mm. Come swim. Like, mm. but, mm. but for all sorts of reasons, probably some of them my own method of communication, it, it wasn't always received. Mm. Um, but I just wanted people to know that there was this depth over there, guys, and you know yeah. you, you don't mm. have to splash around on this the shallowness. Mm. Um, so that was the main one. Mm. And at that point, it actually my for a while at least my passion kind of went just purely to theological depth. It wasn't directed so much at like a science thing. Mm. I did some paper. I did a bioethics paper that was interesting, and like toyed with the idea of being a bioethicist for a while there's not many of those in New Zealand though so (laughs) it's not a particularly secure career path so the experience of of wonder that you were kind of evangelizing uh, that Mm. you were talking about I imagine that has kind of sparked a a number of passions for you in in going forward and and where you're perhaps sitting sitting today so could you talk a little bit about yeah about where where your heart is really being drawn from all these experiences now and and as you continue into the future yeah so I think a a part of the story that I, I didn't mention before was when I was going through my science degree I was still pretty center slash conservative politically and and even quite in some ways quite like anti-environment I remember we did a like an ethics class or like a the church I was at put on like these evening workshops about ethics and one of them we had someone come along and talk about like how to be more sustainable and it embarrasses me to say that I basically sat down the back and mocked her pretty much the entire time um and it was a very mature time in my life but around 2008 i was with some classmates at university and there was there was a guy there that was kind of tangentially connected i was studying with his partner and so i'd come across him every now and then but i spent more time with her she was like in classes but at one night we were having a, an election party. Um, this was when John Key got in and Helen Clark went out. Yeah. And we turned off the TV at the end of it and I was pretty happy. And he was not. And it, we got into a debate about this whole kind of um, left-right politics thing. Hmm. Which, I mean, that's a whole separate topic. But the, the thing that stuck with me was that he... I think the issue at the time was like the smacking bill, the anti-smacking bill, whatever it's called. And he had a couple of phrases that stuck with me. And one of them was like, as a Christian, he knew that I was Christian. How, how can you not be supporting something that is intended to reduce harm? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just debated with him and couldn't let him take that point. But it kind of really got into my head. And I was like, hang on, like, I have these beliefs. I have these views. Mm-hmm. How does that change or translate politically? And there's a lot of really 
compelling arguments for like why we should be looking after the planet mm. um and then you bring into this this like sense of god's created this planet the the awe the wonder and me developing a hermeneutic both with genesis and revelation like i mentioned before that actually maybe this isn't all gonna burn right and you know there's the oft quoted passage about how god says he's going to make all things new and i did a lot of reading with uh, nt wright and a whole bunch of reading really around that whole topic and was like hang on stop why is this not a big deal right mm. like there's this whole thing about climate change there's this whole thing about how there's pollution and the way we're treating the planet and it's just so silent like the church mm. i've just never heard about it mm. and i was like there's, there's something wrong here right like we, we've missed something mm. and so then i went on this bit of journey to try and understand that and kind of to that point i guess i made before that i think we just adopted this theology that it didn't matter and so therefore we were like oh well and maybe i guess just speculating here because we have a distrust of science trust yeah we're like well it's, it's not real it's not real right and that irked me and so it sounds to me like there is the passion has grown and is, is yeah. for climate change work and i guess you know, well, you've just named the fact that it's not really something that the church talks about a lot uh, perhaps that's changing a little bit um these days but yeah so if we imagine the the changes ahead for the church yeah. what would you love to be seeing or being a part of um as as we imagine that yeah so i think in my mind i want to know why the church is not at the forefront of that movement mm. right Christian. like why is it that we have to rely on greenpeace and project mm. jonah and yeah. generation zero and you know hundreds of organizations around new zealand that are out there doing the hard mahi to yeah help both in terms of changing public awareness mm. all of the work they do on all sorts of different fronts and why is the church not involved why are they not advocating for this stuff mm. um why are we not putting our time our money our, our resource our effort into it and then why do we continue to do things that that are actually damaging the planet right mm. um, like i think we're at least with my experiences and maybe things have changed recently but like there's a lot of fairly aggressive practices in churches that are having a massive impact on the, on the planet and sure they might not be like as catastrophic as as fracking or an oil leak but you know there's also the sense that we need to be a witness for what we see as the way ahead and i just don't think we are yeah um, so what would that look like do you reckon yeah so i think one would be way more advocacy and and talking about this issue right like one of the big frustrations for me is that it would it seems that the church is at the moment more interested in who marries who mm. than the ongoing survival of our species and our planet mm. and i'm kind of wondering if we've got our priorities a little mixed up there <laughs> i don't know about you but yeah. i would like my kids to have a planet and yes. i would like their kids to have a planet yes. and I, yeah i sometimes wonder if we're taking the the seriously i, I learned about a phrase a while ago called the the 
the bike shed problem where you know because there's this giant problem you don't want to talk about we're just going to talk about like what color we should paint the bike shed because we're just it's an easy way to distract ourselves and i wonder if that's partly what's going on as well that mm. let's just distract ourselves with something that we can control because climate change is a huge problem yeah. but the church is also a very large organization mm. right if you think about it with a, a global lens it mm. could be doing a lot right mm. um and i was thinking too you know there's a a lot of young people asking the same question yeah. and i think they might have a bit more respect for the church if we were putting ourselves out more on the front line yeah 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 and also then taking a good look at practices with each person in the church mm. um you know what are they doing in their own lives to reduce their carbon footprint mm. what are they doing to encourage to change public perception or, and uh, educate the public on you know things that could be done or ways to reduce the impact on the earth getting involved with local groups that are trying to do stuff in this field um, mm. there's a lot of stuff there and then uh, collectively we should look at practices that we have around um, just the way we do church are these helping our carbon footprint or our, our impact on the earth or are they not um, like a, possibly a trivial example, but maybe it kind of illustrates the point. Like I remember going to a youth group thing once in a barbecue or something, a uh, hundred plastic plates. Hmm. And I'm like, this could have easily been some compostable plates, right? Like that's not a hard decision. Hmm. That's, that's a, just a, that's a choice that yeah. just wasn't made. Right. And maybe it also includes thinking that uh, frugality is not, that pious when it comes to the cost of the earth mm. um, that's one that i mm. came across a lot was that oh it's going to cost too much to mm. to do that and that, well you haven't factored any externalized costs there about how much we're going to pay to clean up that pollution both mm. right now and also your grandkids mm. um, so i guess the other one that i find is that there's there's still a societal pushback like there's, there's a lot of people who are you know trying to make good change especially people of kind of younger generations and who are way more accepting of, of this. Mm. But there's still a lot of people in society who don't want to change, regardless of whether they're from the church or not. Mm. The church could be doing a lot there to help change those people's perceptions, right? And it's not just about, like, is climate change real? But that's about all these things, all these little initiatives that are going on that are actually going to make a small difference, but together they'll make a big difference, right? So you mean even like a church getting on board with a local incentive and yep. volunteering their time? I mean, that's something that they could do. And so you find you find out that information. and Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like, I mean, we've done one, just me and my wife, where we did a local planting day, but mm. that easily could have been church. Mm. We did well with, a home group that I went to for a while where we did a weeding. We helped with local school with some weeding around in their like native native bush around the back of their school because mm. that was causing issues with the waterways. But I mean one that I'm also quite passionate about is we have a massive over-reliance on cars or like single occupancy vehicles. Mm. Especially in Auckland, we have a, a, a really bad problem with it. And we're regularly told, oh, yeah, public transport's rubbish and, you know, therefore we're just going to keep using cars. I'm like, well, the only reason it's rubbish is because we haven't prioritised fixing it mm. and we won't prioritise fixing it because people keep complaining about it, right? And hmm. there's plenty that, you know, if people 
were interested in actually fixing this because maybe it fits with your theology that we probably should look after what God created. There's plenty of places to get involved to help change that public discourse. Mm. Um, and I guess I'm of the opinion that we keep hitting into these brick walls because the general public are still really resistant to change and we're going to have to change. Mm. Right? We can't keep going the way we're going. And there's a lot of people out there trying to change that that discourse and that perception. And I guess I'm asking which yes. side is the church on, right? On. Are yes. they helping it or yes. are they just making it worse? So what do you reckon if there's people listening who are yeah, a part of their, their churches, that they, what can they do this week? You know, what's, mm. a, what's one little step they could take that is actually going to help to shift the trajectory there? Yeah, so a little step. I, I mean, I guess little is different for everyone, but sure. if you regularly consume information via some form of social media, find something there that can help you learn more about this space. Mm. So there's a really good Facebook group that I belong to called Answers in Climate Science. It's a mm. whole bunch of clim climatologists, is that the right word? Climate scientists and people who are not like me, just kind of going along for the ride, but lots of really good research and articles and information, right? And if you're scrolling Facebook to see what your mates are up to and then you also see this, it's a good way to, to inform yourself, right? Other steps are, which may be a little bit bigger, but learn what are the local groups in your area that are doing stuff, um, mm. like nonprofits and and such, and see if there's stuff that you can get involved with. I remember actually like talking to a colleague because we were having a little moan or like, uh, what do you call it? Pity party about how nothing was happening <laughs> in climate change. And and she said, I just need to find a group that I can get involved with because mm. it helped her translate that energy that yes. she was feeling of like, yes. why is nothing happening to at least why I'm going to get involved, right? And so yeah, it's good idea. Um, there's plenty, right? There's, pl there's plenty in, in mm. New Zealand of, yeah. of organizations doing this kind of stuff. Oh, and then the last one would be like, ask your church leaders what you're doing about your carbon footprint, mm -hmm. right? Do you measure it? Do you know what it is? Do you have plans to reduce it? Do you have a plan to be carbon neutral? or even less than carbon neutral, right? Like, is there anything happening in that space? Mm. You mean even speaking about it in church? Yeah, well, that would be a great one too, right? <laughs> um, a sermon on it. Uh -huh. um, uh, yeah. And there's, there's specific organisations that are wanting to work with churches as well, right? Like there's this mm. um, there's Arosha, which is... They've got an eco church program, so it literally they they coach you into the wow. process of becoming an eco church. And cool, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's another another way that yeah. people could yeah just get in touch, flick them an email. Yeah, yeah, I think it it's like a, I, don't, I was going to say chicken and egg, but it's not quite chicken and egg. It's like one of those like feedback loops where I think there needs to be buy in from people in leadership in kind of Christian circles, mm. but that leadership will also find it easier to have that buy-in if there's a groundswell of people that are yeah. wanting to get on board with this right and yeah. sometimes you kind of have to have one on the other starts and it's hard to know which needs to go first here mm. but yeah i think it is generalizing but I, th I think it's true that people of my age and younger are wanting to know what's happening here right and mm. like and if if your concern is about things that are more yeah, like I said before, who marries who or something like that, and there's nothing mentioned in this space, mm. I think that's a big red flag mm. for, for younger people. Mm. Um, like, 
um, not in a Christian setting, but I had a colleague, a young guy, um, at a guess he's like 22 maybe, ask our CEO in front of the whole company, like, what's our plan to get to carbon zero? Mm. And the answer uh, wasn't great. But I talked to him afterwards and he was like, yeah, that was thoroughly depressing. Right? Mm. And, and he's now trying to figure out what that means for him. But mm. he, people want to know, right, yeah. what's, what, what are we doing in this space? And if a church can't answer that, then that worries me. Mm. I just want to thank you for, I suppose, just how you've opened up this conversation, mm. how you've given us, you've informed us, mm. and the perspective that you're giving us and the challenge. And we just want to thank you for taking time to to share your heart and your journey and passion. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for hearing me too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Changes Ahead podcast. If that resonated with you, we'd love to hear from you. So get in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Changes Aheadcast or Twitter at Ahead Changes. See you next time.